It is Tuesday, January 24. Great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast this morning after, well, Novak Djokovic, just a class above last night. Too good for Alex Dimonor and barely two hours on court in their fourth round match at the Australian Open. 6-2, the 35-year-old nine-time Aussie Open champion one. He'll face Andre Rublev in the quarterfinals. Steve Smith, another man of the match performance last night as the Sixers beat the Hobart Hurricanes by 24 runs. And that match was in Hobart. 66 off 33 balls for the gun Australian batsman. Six sixes he hit. He is in imperious form heading towards that tour in India. And uh, just on that as well, Clark, a cowboy from hell on the text line says, so you touched on it yesterday, pup, but if the bowlers aren't BBLing it, why the batsman? And who do we blame when we get smashed 4 deal in India because we've had no preparation in India? Honestly, Langer would have had them there now, I reckon, says Cowboy from Hell. But uh, mm. we're uh, flying to India, I think, in the middle of next week. Mm. And uh, we've got the first test, February 9. And we won't be playing a warm-up game there in the subcontinent. That's the part I don't understand. The, the playing in the BBL, I love. And I think the BBL needs it. They need the Aussie players playing. Um, to improve the competition because we don't get many, we don't get the top tier overseas players. Um, so the Aussies, the Australian players playing is massive. So I understand that, but the no tour game before the first test in India, um, and I hope I'm proven wrong, but I think that is going to be significant. Uh, batting in those conditions in one day cricket and T20 cricket is one thing. Batting in Indian conditions in test cricket, it is a completely different game. You need a completely different plan to what you have playing in Australia. Um, the way you start your innings against spin bowling, the way you, um, you know, it, the way you play reverse swing, for example, like through the Australian summer, we didn't see any reverse swing. The game was over in two, three days. So, you know, reverse swing is going to play a big part. Starting all these, you know, the batters that walk out and start against guys by 130, 140 Ks, mate, there's every chance India is going to play at least two spinners. I, so you're walking out facing spin. It just, it's, it's a completely different game. I, I know the tosses are yeah, important. Well, the toss, I'm not going to say always important, but. Well, you, it, you still it, loo- you can win the toss, toss and lose, lose. Trust me, that's, that's happened to me a lot exactly over there. Right. Yeah. But is it more so over in India? 100%. You, you have to win the toss. You have to bat. Astra- and bat. It, as for an yeah. overseas team, I won't say an Australian, for an overseas team, you need to bat in the best possible conditions. Because after that, if you don't, if you haven't grown up playing in those conditions, mm. man, it's extremely difficult to start your innings. And if you get in, you need to go on and make a big score because your first 20 runs in India in second innings, whoa, just ball, like a ball that you go forward to and block in Australia easily against spin. Over there can roll along the ground, can bounce and take your glove, can you know mm. go to block it outside off and it bowls your leg stump. Like natural variation over there is is massive. So as the wicket deteriorates, more natural variation. So any plan is better than no plan. Batting in India. So if you're going to sweep, sweep. If you're going to use your feet, use your feet. But you've got to work that out. And your plan in Australia can be very different to your plan in India mm. because of the difference in conditions. Five weeks and two days until the start of the 2023 NRL season, and we still don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place between the league and the Players Association. And joining us now is the Chief Executive of the Rugby League Players Association, Clint Newton. Clint, good morning. Morning, lads. Uh, now, the PR battle, Clint, always hard for the players, and you're adamant that uh, this is not a pay war. So I guess what is the message then, 
as this drags on to the most important stakeholder of all being the fans in the game? Yeah, I think you know, Clarky can speak um, from first-hand experience here that uh, whenever you're uh, going into battle, uh, which is part of the, you know, part of the course when you're in the players' association and, and players is struggle and resistance, you're always going to face it. But you also know that it's largely going to be painted as a as some level of pay war and players being greedy. But ultimately, players are frustrated at the disrespect that the NRL has shown over the last 14 months. You know, this hasn't just happened overnight. This is as a result of 14 months of time wasting and and not putting satisfactory proposals forward. It, players have spoken really passionately about the SCBA. These are their terms and conditions, for both the women and the men. And, they aren't puppets. Um, they're up there um, showing some courage and knowing what's going to come back the other way. Mm. Um, but the real burning issues is around the, the premature releasing of the salary cap, which really tipped the, the players over the edge um, and painted the players as, as greedy, um, when really the issue there is that players just want like-for-like comparison instead of inflated numbers. Um, and the NRL you know, really not respecting the autonomy in funding you know, past player programs and medical support programs that are game first. These are things that the game has never prioritised and this group of players being responsible in allocating funds that would otherwise go to their salaries um, in protecting these past players and looking after their heroes and guaranteeing women's first ever CBA. First ever. That's that's what this is really largely about. Clint, how do the players win? Like, as soon as someone... I listened to Daly speak the other day. As soon as he says anything in the media, the the perception is, you know, that the players want more money and the players are being selfish. And I, again, you're right. I've experienced it firsthand. You, you actually can't... No matter what you say as a player... You, you're going to get flogged for it. The, the media is going to have have their, they're going to write it in the media, and then the public's going to think, you know, how can a player say that, feel that, want that? I, I just, what do you do in this situation, buddy? Yeah, it's always a struggle. Uh, again, you know what you're coming up against. I mean, I've been, I've been yeah. as a player administrator for over 20 years. So I've seen, I was there for the very first CBA in 2003, and you're over now for this one. So I've seen it all over the last, you know, 20 years, and. It's not really necessarily about winning um, the PR war, uh, in my view. What you what you just try and do is, is paint a picture for people because there is some bias out there. Um, people do hang on the big shiny number and um, a million dollar player, but reality is the absolute clear majority of our playing group um, are sitting in the middle of the bottom, um, and so therefore, when you've got when you've got that um, structure inside your playing group, you have to look after them the most. Now, of course, in any industry, the best will always receive the most. That is no different to the best plumber, the best builder, the best CEO. Um, but inside rugby league, you know that risks are significant. Um, and really what the players are striving for is the best CBA in Australia and New Zealand, in, the, in our region. Um, now, again, why would we not want to champion that, given the fact that we know that setting up CBAs with great protection and support and services provided to our heroes and, and players that potentially fall on hard times or suffer in, injuries, that sets the game up for the future because if I'm a, if I'm a parent, which I am, I've got three daughters, um, if one of them or all of them choose to play rugby league, well, I want to know that they're getting the best protection, they're getting insurance paid for, they're getting support, 
the high performance environments are suitable for them to, to thrive in that industry. And I don't think that's unfair. We're coming from a long way back and we're unapologetic about going after, you know, the things that we believe are necessary and important to move the game forward. How often are you in contact with the NRL, Clint? And um, has there been any progression made over the last week or so, or are we at a stalemate? Yeah, no, there's, um, there's been some progress. Um, Andrew and I have, uh, have spoken a, a few times, um, as you always do. It's it's always part of the course that, you know, you can, you can have a crack at each other about certain things, particularly privately, but that's that's part of it. I mean, both we're all passionate about our respective stakeholder groups. For me, um, my responsibility and the board's responsibility um, is looking after the 1,000 players that are going to catch it inside this agreement, which is, a, which is an extra probably 300 more than we've ever captured in a CBA, given the fact that we're picking up 240 women. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be some progress. We've got a really important couple of weeks coming up. Do I think we'll get an agreement? Sure. When? Um, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, but, again, there's really the, what the players are really after is the contract security and certainty for women, better injury hardship fund for people whose careers are, uh, are cut short by injury or that sustain injuries that um, take issue with them after their career, past player programs, medical support funds, agreement rights on core employment terms, just like you guys would have when you're employed by the Big Sport Breakfast team. So I was, I'm actually really proud of this playing group. Um, we've made some decisions in the last you know, decade um, that have set the game up for the better. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think we've, the game had ever been organised. The playing group had never been organised. And I'm, probably you can speak to that when you were playing in your career, mm. where we didn't necessarily look after the bottom people. And it was very much a bit of a dog-eat-dog -dog environment. Um, and so we are coming from a long way back. But this playing group, they have established um, injury hardship funds, increased minimum wages, made sure you know, private health insurance and insurances are in place. Um, for those players from the middle and the bottom to make sure they're okay. And you can only be strong when you've got numbers, Clint. And I'm assuming all players are united because I've read a couple of articles where they're saying that they may not be all united. Yeah, well, of course, there's going to be those types of articles. Like, you know, what a surprise um, that those articles are going to be pushed out into the public domain. Um, you know, because that, all that does is try and divide and conquer the playing group and, and look like we're fractured. But the reality is, if the expectation is that a thousand players are going to be across every line by line item um, that's captured in a collective bargaining agreement, that is just unrealistic. You know, that's why we have a board that has all the governance controls of a not for profit organisation where we have 50% split of players and non-financial directors that are significantly experienced in the corporate sector. And then you've got your player advisor groups across the both the men and the women. And then you've got delegates at all the clubs. So again, we've got a hierarchical structure that provides us with clear direction about what it is that players are looking for, what they need. Plus we do surveys every year, um, which, which also helps guide our thinking. So again, um, that's what leadership is about. That's what our board and our player leaders are for. Um, but we've seen, you know, many players, you know, speak over the last, you know, well, the last 14 months, but particularly the last the last week. And, and again, I'm proud of them for, for standing up for what they believe in. Is there going to be a perception that 
they're greedy and this is all going in their back pocket, sure, we're under no illusion that that's going to be rolled out. But the reality is um, the funds that we're short and the funds that we're going after, um, just to track in line with the game's revenues, which have gone up by 25% from term to term, um, is funds that are going towards those critical areas, as well as making sure that our women have a CBA for the first time. Clint, what's worst case scenario? If nothing gets resolved here, are we seeing, as, as a fan of rugby league, are we seeing the players strike? Oh, look, I think what the players are really focused on at the moment is is um, rolling out you know, their current activations, which is the, they don't feel comfortable in, in uh, participating in certain NRL uh, promotions and commercial activities, you know, based on based on the delays that we've had. So, again, from a player's perspective, um, you know, all the options, you know, remain on the table because you just don't know, Michael. I mean, you've gone through it. You mm-hmm. don't know what the other side may do and may choose to do. So, therefore, you don't want to put a stake in the ground and say, you know, we won't do this yeah. and, and the opposition do something that obviously is is damaging to the relationship. Yeah, but I think with with this, I think that that is the truth, though. You know, even going through it with cricket, that we were very open about if that's what it takes, that's what it takes because we, we were trying to fight for things that we believed in and thought were for the betterment of the game. So I think that has to be a realistic option to all the rugby league fans that if this doesn't get sorted out, then your team and your favourite players mightn't be on the TV. They might be playing. Well, I think there's a responsibility, Michael, on administrators from both parties, from all parties in you know, clubs, um, the commission, NRL, and, and us to get it done. For I sure. mean, you saw sure. you saw what happened in cricket. It it, um, it was ugly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone wanted to take it there, but the players were led there. Um, you know, because there was resistance. You know, from the other side. So, again, uh, what we want to do is make sure that. Um, we get an agreement done and the whole industry can move forward and there is absolutely a responsibility to make sure that we're acting in the best interests um, of the game. And, and again, the fans are so critical to the game's success. But again, we need to make sure, and this is the value of a players association, um, particularly since, since the CBAs began in 2003, it was the players that started wellbeing education. It was the players that invested in retirement accounts, helped those blokes transition away from rugby league. Players invested in injury hardship funds. There was no more of this just whatever revenue we secure, just dump it all into salaries. That's not the way player associations work. But we are coming from a long way back. Clarkie cricket is a long way forward, yeah. you know, um, as opposed to our CBA. AFL is a long way forward. Rugby union, um, some of the other codes. So, again... We need to move forward uh, and we'll continue to step forward. And, you know, I live in hope, you know, that we're going to get uh, a great outcome for everyone. But, again, we understand there's some bias out there um, because people look at our top players and go, you know, you're earning significant funds. But, again, that's like any industry. We just have to make sure that, you know, the middle and the bottom players get, get looked after because you just don't know when your career is going to be over in our game. Appreciate your time as always, Clint. No, no worries, guys. Um, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll get it done. Uh, the most important thing is we've just got to resolve this, you know, significant issue that exists in the women's game. But, you know, the players are doing really well. And, again, I'm proud to represent them. Great stuff. Clint Newton there, the boss of the Rugby League Players Association. You just get the feeling when this is all said and done, 
I don't think the NRL and the uh, well, the players are going to be getting together and toasting. Well, it seems like the division is I think it's, stark. I think Clint says it's spot on, though. It's the same in all sports. Mm. You know, it, it, you get to a stage where it, it's actually not about the play. Like, the players have uh, their association to speak on behalf of them, to have the fight for them. But the individual player doesn't then have the beef with... Like, I never had beef with James Sutherland. Uh, the Players Association was fighting Cricket Australia to try and get what we wanted, but that didn't mean, you know, captain of the team couldn't go and speak to the CEO. Uh, like, so I don't think it's, I don't think it ever becomes that personal between players and association. Not in my experience, anyway. The media war, you they pick a side and you feel the beef. You think the players are going to hate Cricket Australia and you go through that. But really, individually, no. You, I think if anything, you're frustrated that it's in the media that you're talking about that. That we let's get it resolved. Let's even if, let's try and find middle ground to get this done because it's it's bad publicity for your sport. That's what you try and you know get rid of. But like any negotiation, there's two sides. You know what you're worth, what your value is, and you try and stand by that. Match in the Premier League at the moment between Fulham and Tottenham, which uh, kickoff was delayed due to the traffic in the area there at Craven Cottage. And it's scoreless after 19 minutes. Last night in the Big Bash, Sixers beat Hurricanes by 24 runs. Steve Smith, 66 off 33 balls. And at the Australian Open in the fourth round, Novak Djokovic, the fourth seed, beat the 22nd seed, Alex Dimitor, 6-2, 6-1, Dominant performance from the 35-year-old nine-time champion. And uh, Loz has just had a, a big realisation in the uh, news break mm. a couple of minutes ago. Loz, a uh, very special day for you. And you're lovely. <laughs> Very special day, boys. Uh, wedding anniversary today. Yep, which so you realised about, what, 100 seconds ago? Uh, well, I just overheard conversations <laughs> and then I just realised <laughs> that it was my nah. wedding anniversary. So, what, so there you go. Clark, you suggested, what, some um, flowers said, from well, the servo on the way as, home? As we all drive home from here, there's a shell servo on the left. I said, pull in there, get some flowers and get a little mm. top deck chocolate. <laughs> Well, Take that home. There's a little treat for the morning. Well, I don't buy flowers and chocolates anymore. Do you buy anything for no. anniversary? No, because no. One, well, obviously one not. Year, you forgot. Well, one year. Oh, this is going back early in the piece. Uh, I did it, and she asked, "What did what did you do what wrong? What did I do wrong?" Yeah, okay. So, do you take it for dinner or anything? It's just too hard, mate. Yeah, you know. Actually, you know what? I, what am I doing? I don't. Even, can we change it? Let's not even talk about yeah. any. Let's just, talk about sport, please, Mino. Yeah. Get me out of here. Okay, well, we <laughs> had uh, sport, sport, yeah. sport. I don't understand sport. Um, sport. We had uh, Clint Newton on before, and uh, well, we had Bulldog story in the Telegraph yesterday. Great about, story too. Uh, about, was, was that a spray? No, I said it's a great story. He's. He's got his ear to the ground over there in America. Okay. 160 Americans are ready to jump on the flight to get out here if, if it all a, goes wrong. If there was a strike. Mm. Well, we've got Mitch from Robertson on the text line just assuring us as well that, uh, well, he says, boys, the Robertson Spuddies uh, start pre-season tonight and the players have said they'll step in for the NRL if they're needed on a pie and schooner payment plan. So there you go. Mitch from Robertson and the... Uh, Robertson Spuddies, sending that one through. Good stuff. What about this text for you, Pup? Morning, boys. Welcome back. Hey, Pup. Uh, what are your thoughts on moving the SCG test because of the weather? Aaron from Bargo sending that one well, through. Well, we have had a stack of rain. It seems like every year. Every year. Yeah, we get, we get a day washed out. So, 
I get the frustration. But then um, I think it was the few days, but again, a few days were magnificent. After. Yeah, I know. <laughs> magnificent. I know, I know. So what do you do? I think it's just bad luck, yeah. really. I, I still, I Boxing Day and New Year's tests, I think, have got to stay. Melbourne for Boxing Day, New Year's Day, Sydney. I just think it's, it's yeah. just too just unbelievable. Day. Like yeah. I'd like to see the Sydney test go back to starting on even the second, which is what it was for years. Yeah, you know what, I, you know I, what I I'd like that. to see? I'd love to see a day night test in, in Sydney? Sydney. Yeah, you or might do in that. Melbourne. You might, you might get that. I reckon both venues, condition wise, could certainly handle it. What time would you get? Oh, yeah, yeah, Loss. yeah. Loss didn't want to leave at ha- seven. He want to leave at midnight. We well, have to get out. We well, usually the get there. We, yeah, we well, have to get there by. What time's a nighttime kickoff start? Two o'clock. So two o'clock. So you'd have to be there by eleven to get your seat. So that's eleven o'clock through to what ten o'clock at night. Yeah, that's a big session, isn't it? I don't no, know how many days really. you'd be backing up for, but anyway. Um, yeah, but I, I would. I'd like to see. A day-night test, either for the Boxing Day or the okay. Sydney Test match. Okay. Don't mind that. Well, I think it'll be outstanding. Adelaide have done it very well. Day-night test. Got to stay there. So yeah, if, they're gonna, if, if, they're gonna, if you're going to do Sydney or Melbourne, yeah. you've got to do another one. I think Adelaide have done it brilliantly. I think yeah. it suits Adelaide. It suits the conditions. Uh, they've been able to get a pitch that adapts to them with the pink ball. I think it's... I think it's got. It's always had that amazing feel out the back of Adelaide, like a a bit of that Melbourne Cup feel that yeah. a lot of people it's go. Yeah, it's yeah. a party. Yeah, so I think it's definitely got to stay in Adelaide. And then if they want to go somewhere else, then yeah, Sydney, Melbourne, certainly an option. Uh, just Tiger Marty on the text line. Hope you boys didn't miss Laurie's racing league horse, Luna Rocks, yesterday. Saluted at two dollars sixty and was the easiest watch in a long time. So there you go, the racing league. Yeah, she's got some ability, Luna Rocks. Mm. Um, Trained by Friedman's Friedman, yeah, Richard, Richard and Will Yep Yep There you go Another winner so, there For the New South Wales Tycoons They're your horse aren't they? That's my horse yeah. That's my gang We don't run with anyone else We don't. We're tight We're thick Well We've got the Sydney Sevens on this week uh, In the leg of the World Sevens So Australia on the weekend We just had the leg in Hamilton in New Zealand Argentina beat New Zealand in the men's final 14-12 and New Zealand beat USA 33-7 in the women's. Uh, The Aussie men finished fifth and the women finished third. So this Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Sydney, Allianz Stadium. So the first sevens at the new Allianz Stadium. It's going to be an awesome weekend. And joining us now, well, I love uh, the little note in our, our screen in front of us. It says, Oz Seven Star... And emerging BSB legend. <laughs> How do you become an emerging BSB legend? Interesting. Stu Dunbar. Stu, morning to you. Geez, that's going straight to the top of the resume, that. Well, you do your best work, buddy. <laughs> right up the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right, boys. How are we? Yeah, really well, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, got back in from Hamilton last night. Uh, yeah, we're in camp here at Darling Harbour. Uh, yeah, the coach gave us... Gave us the option to go home if we wanted to tonight, so I was the only one to stay in. So I ordered room, I ordered room service and then went out for a meal. <laughs> now you won the first event of the season, of course, in Hong Kong. Um, Hamilton's been your best performance since then. So what improved on the weekend? Um, yeah, it was, I think we just got back to our training block pre 
Like we had our best training block for four weeks before Hong Kong. Mm. We were all fit and we had a really positive training block. After Hong Kong, we had a few niggles, a few injuries and a bit of a disruption. So we just went back um, just since the new year, back to training hard. Uh, yeah, lots of contact, lots of running, get us fit again. And yeah, I think we, we're moving in the right direction again. We're back on the climb. What's preparation look like, buddy, over the next few days in Sydney? So, yeah, we're in here at camp where we treat it like any other tournament. So we all stay here together. And we've got training today, training on the field and a bit of a review from the weekend. And then gym again in the afternoon. And then tomorrow we have field and gym as well. And then we've got a bit of a special jersey presentation being our home um, our home tournament. And then Thursday is just a pretty much feed up day before we get into it on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Stu, I reckon you'd be looking forward to getting out there to the new stadium because I think there'll be a lot of people out there. It's um, you know something that you know we, we always intend to enjoy. Um, you know, this, this Sevens uh, mm. environment and being back at Allianz Stadium, I don't know, I just, I reckon it'll go off this weekend. So you must be really excited about it. Yeah, everyone's super pumped. I was only just thinking before, it's pr- Clarkie would be able to relate to it when he was playing for Australia. Um, you only get sort of one chance to play in front of your home crowd like he would have at, at the SCG in a calendar year, mm-hmm. which is the same as us. We play the 10 tournaments around the world and this is our one chance to play in front of our friends and family. Yeah. Everyone's got lots of friends and family coming to watch in the flesh. I've got lots coming up from June E. So, um, yeah, it just adds that extra layer of motivation for everyone, which um, yeah, hopefully can propel us up onto the podium. How do you go with nerves then, Stewie, with that? Because, I, I, again, like you mentioned, I found playing in Sydney, it was I, was I was always more nervous knowing that your family and your friends were there. I think um, for a lot of the boys that they've only really been in the Sevens program, they might feel it a bit. Yeah. I've been lucky enough that I'm a bit older and I've played. I've got the opportunity to play in front of my family and friends a lot mm. when I was back playing 15s. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I know... This has been marked on the calendar for a lot of the boys who who, who are specific sevens players, yeah, awesome. and yeah, they they're just um, there might be a few nerves for them, but I mean, nerves is always a good thing. Yeah. Stewie, I know that sports science has changed a lot, you know, from twenty thirty years ago, and I can only remember when we, they used to have the the sevens in rug, rugby league, and I played in one of those tournaments, but by day two I was buggered, yeah. and, and my hammies were going on me. How was it changed, or what do you do to keep yourself at that level so you can have those hard repeats and efforts in every game? Because it's over three days, and I'm sure your body gets tired, and at times you you feel like you 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 know your hemi or your bloody quad or your calf or something might go. Yeah. Day two is always better than day one, and day three is always better than day two, as they say. Um, but yeah, it, it, it'll come back, like you said, with the pre, uh, with the sports science. If you've done the training and you've got the miles in your legs, then your body's conditioned to it. And um, yeah, once you once it comes, once you're out there and you've got the crowd and everything, I mean, all the niggles just go away instantly. But if as long as you've done the training and the prep, your body will hold up. Um, yeah, and they do a great job here with the preset, with the um, sports science. We wear the GPS session, GPS trackers every every session. So, no, the game the game days the the good part. The training's the tough part. Yeah. 
We're speaking to Stu Dunbar from the Aussie Seven squad ahead of, uh, well, the Sydney League of the World Seven Series. And I just see, Stewie, the pools are out as well. So in your pool, Pool A, Argentina, hopefully they're still celebrating after they won the Hamilton League. Great Britain and Canada also in your pool. So how difficult is that? Yeah, well, there's been four tournaments this year and four different winners. The men's, the men's, and well, the men and the women's are both very tough, but particularly the men's. Anyone can win on their day, so you really got to turn up uh, and put your best foot forward. Otherwise, you'll get you'll get rolled. But yeah, the Argies were. Geez, they made a, rac- a ruckus when they came back to the hotel on Sunday night. They can they can celebrate. I thought they'd won there. FIFA World Cup like the other day, <laughs> chanting and whistling, had the flags out. So hopefully they're a bit they're a bit dusty, a bit behind the week the weekend. Um, yeah, we've got, got Great Britain as well. We've played them already three times this year, so we're fairly well across them. And Canada, who yeah, they've got some dangerous players. So like you say, we just got to be on every game. That's that's one of the challenges for sevens is being able to get yourself up mentally and physically six times over three days. Mm. It's not like an 80-minute game with the 15s. Now, on your uh, Instagram page, Stewie, I'm just seeing... Um, <laughs> now, talk to me about this Alex Demonor pump-up and, uh, well, the high knee energy. So you're obviously the leader of the warm-up. Is that how it goes? Yeah, well, I just... I like having a good time. And like I just mentioned there, when you when you got a tournament for the sevens and you've got six games... The hardest part's actually getting yourself up six times, you know, up and then you've got to be able to come down, relax, and then you've got to get up again for the next game. So that's actually what I find the hardest part. So if you just got the same coach, the same person saying it can get a bit mundane. So I saw Alex Dimonor after his second round game uh, win and after it, he just sprinted up, up the court with his high knees. And I thought, geez, that's pretty funny. Maybe I can use that to get the boys up. So yeah, I, got, I posted the video. I just I said to the captain before I said, let me let me let me do something to try and fire the boys up before we go out here. Got them in the circle, <laughs> yelled out a few numbers like the old days, and we all just bloody yeah got get you up and about and get you excited for the game. And I just try and bring a bit of energy and do what I can to help out the team. T, what else would have also got you up and about was uh, the brown snake. Did you kill this in late December? What was that out at home, out June Eway? It yeah, looks like about a, what, about, about a five-footer. Uh, every bit, you know. Every bit <laughs> yeah, was that you? Well, what did you do? Have you got the polypipe, the shovel? How would you how'd you do it? I had the shovel. Yeah. The, um, yeah, got the shovel out. Dad doesn't let us uh, use the gun. You've got to practice with the shovel. So he reckons the, shovel, the gun won't be there every time, so... Get the shovel, get in nice and close to it, feel its, its anxiety. And, you know, we've got lots over there at home there. They're always around the chook shed getting into mum's chooks. So better better, better, out, better dead than alive. Yeah, you can't have that. Can't have them getting into the chook shed, mate. Nah, did you spend much time down at Juno over the break? Uh, I did. I went down for my mother's 80th, actually. So I spent a couple uh, of days down there. I saw the boys, mate. They're all excited. Uh, the footy team... Look like it's going to be strong this year, so we're up and about, Junie. Yeah. yeah, well, I was busy down there with Harvest too, weren't they? Yeah, they, yeah. Well, mate, it was it it was yeah. They were busy, but it's it's actually looking all right. It was wasn't looking yeah. too bad when I was down there. Yeah, no, I think they had a pretty good pretty good harvest. So no, it's good. Well, Stewie, it's, uh, we urge people to get out to 
Allianz this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Going to be a great atmosphere and uh, good luck. And I uh, hope we're celebrating an Aussie victory there on Sunday, mate. Enjoy. Will I see you there, Minnow? I'm a chance. I am yeah. a chance. I haven't got good. that far. I was just trying to get through the first couple of days with the old mate here. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday. You've got to start getting planning for the weekend now. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. No, good luck. Thanks. All right, boys. Good on you, Stu. See you, buddy. Catch up. Brad Davidson. Morning, mate. Yeah, morning, guys. How are you going? Yeah, really well, thanks. And good to be speaking with you again in 2023. Hopefully many winners for all. And uh, just reviewing what we saw there at Ramwick on Saturday, Don Corleone certainly made a statement on debut. How impressive was it in your eyes? Yeah, welcome back, guys. Yeah, look, it was a uh, a very impressive debut, guys. Uh, the, the strength late in the, the piece was, was very good. And I think one thing they've done that really haven't seen a lot of with the two-year-olds this season is run time. Um, the overall time was about three lengths above what you'd expect for that class of, of race. And uh, as I said, you know, you take out King's Gambit and a couple of others there, and there hasn't really been too many two-year-olds running that sort of time. So... Good to see a couple put their hand up for the, the golden slipper pitcher. And, um, yeah, I think I think you can be following Don Corleone and the second horse, Kundalini, um, considering she wasn't far away on debut and really knuckled down when challenged there at the 200-metre mark. So looks like a, a two-year-old race to follow. Um, as I said, yeah, they haven't really been smashing the clock so far this season. So um, good to see a, a race there of a, of a bit of substance there on the weekend. What'd you make of Cuban Royale's performance of the weekend, over? Yeah, he's just gone to a new level. This this preparation, Loz, uh, you know, gives gives hope to any owners really. I mean, he's an eight year old, and last preparation he was there thereabouts, but this time in he's just gone crunch. Um, he's won three from four this preparation. He's an eight year old, and he's never been racing better. And I think it's fair to say from last campaign he's probably found a length, a length and a half. So. He's just uh, racing in, in grand style and, you know, they they didn't go overly hard up in front. It wasn't like a race where they went 100 miles an hour and set it up for him either. So I thought it was a really good win by Cuban Royale and in the Carrington Stakes, it wasn't the strongest Carrington Stakes we've ever seen by any means, but, um, you know, he was there to, to make them pay and it was a, a very strong performance once again. So, yeah, he's just uh, airborne and we'll see how far he can continue to go but uh building a nice little record now 10 wins from 60 starts he's never far away with another what 13 minor placings he's always there about the money handles wet or dry and um yes had a really good turn of foot there on the weekend to get the job done Davo, uh, the noms for the expressway pretty thin but uh, as adam pengilly pointed out earlier it's a race that hasn't exactly attracted big fields for well the last few years no, it's always been a select field, hasn't it? You normally get a, a few quality horses and then a, a couple of others sort of taking on the, the big guns, but only the four at this stage. So, look, hopefully um, those nominations have been extended until 11 o'clock this morning. So we should see a few more take up the, the challenge there. We've got Golden Mile and Forbidden Love and then Cote and, and Takisa Cod, who, with all due respect, Takisa Cod's probably... I'm going to struggle against a couple of those, but um, you know they'll be hoping that there's not too many others that that is. We lost him at Go this on. stage, but look, I'm sure a few others will will take up the challenge. As I said yesterday on Twitter, um, you know if you've got an informed sprinter around or a 1200 meter sprinter, it might be worth a, a crack there with that that prize money for third, fourth, and fifth and sixth and whatnot. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing Forbidden Love back, who's trialled particularly well, and Golden Mile. Um, we'll see if the 
I suppose the, the boomerang goal to Mile is justified. He, um, you know, I'm not not 100 percent sold on that Caulfield Guineas form, and of course he won the calendar Presnell after that, but it was far from convincing once again. So he might be a horse that I'm I'm looking to oppose there if uh, if there's a few others that take up the the challenge in the Expressway Stakes. But uh, yeah, I suppose it's the in some way, it's the it's the kickoff of the the early autumn. Anyway, this uh, this weekend we've got the Widden Stakes, the Canterbury as well. The Canterbury likely to see the return of King's Gambit, who in those uh, early futures markets, I think it's about a dollar fifty. So bookies aren't exactly taking any chances there in those early early markets. But um, look, you'll face a bit of uh, a bit of opposition there in Red Resistance, who was impressive on debut, and a couple of others there down to make their debut in that race as well. But uh, look, I'm sure it'll be very hard to beat his trial particularly well. He's the top seed at, at this stage um, for the, the Golden Slipper and I think the what the team are sort of waiting until after that race to decide whether they'll head towards the, the Blue Diamond or just stay in Sydney and focus solely on the Golden Slipper. Are you following anything out of that meeting on the weekend, Davo, or any, are you binning anything? Yeah, look, I think those two two-year-olds, Don Corleone and Kundalini, I mean, they just ran good time there, so I think they're two that you can you can definitely follow uh, this preparation. I think Lechbart was a horse that got a bad check at the start and cost her any chance. They they walked out in front, and as a result, uh, yeah, I think she was she was outstanding in terms of sin binning anything. Look, I think Bullfinch is getting pretty costly, but I thought he ran well again, so I wouldn't be surprised if he finds the right sort of race soon. But he's definitely testing the patience of, of punters but um, yeah, they're, they're the three out of the meeting that, that I'd be taking going forward anyway at this stage Thank you Davo No worries guys, good to have you back and um, yeah, look forward to uh, the next uh, few days and I know obviously Australia Day is a public holiday but um, tomorrow and, and Friday we'll be looking forward to a big weekend ahead Bring it on, good on you mate